Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, that hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. And I want to thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. And God willing, I have something of consequence, of value to you, even if it is only entertainment. But I strive to make it educational and entertaining at the same time. And like most people, or like everybody, you don't always hit the target, right? And I probably missed the target more than I hit it. But I want to thank you so much for being with me this next hour or so. And as I sincerely always mean, God willing, everything is going well in your life and with your family and with your farm and your animals and your operation and whatever you have going on. And like I always say, is that if it's not that good of a day today, then God willing, tomorrow will be better, right? So, uh... That always is the case, but the, uh, you know, something goes, everything just seems to go off the railroad track one day, and the next day, things, a day or two later, they seem to be much better, so I guess that is the balance of life, but um, what I wanted to do is, I want to just uh, ask you guys, if you have the opportunity, and that it'll post as a podcast after this show, it'll be the following Saturday. I don't know what the date is because I should have looked at the calendar. But if you are not a listener to my radio show on Sirius XM Rural Radio as a podcast, then I feel that uh, this next episode that we'll post uh, is something that you should listen to. And what I talk about on that show is making your house slash farm generator ready. And I'm not going to steal the thunder from that show, but if you do have a farm, if you do have a a house, if you do have a farm shop, whatever it may be, uh, which is probably the majority of this audience, I don't think too many people live in an apartment, but some of them may, but your parents may have a house, right? Uh, Then you moved out because you're starting your life, so whatever, a million reasons. But the fact is that I feel that it is prudent if you live in a rural area, semi-rural area, to make your home generator ready. And that's what I discuss on that episode of Farm Machinery Digest Radio. So I think it would behoove you, it's only a half-hour show, and I think it would behoove you to go over there and listen to it, and I'm saying that humbly. Uh, and then think about it. If you have questions, reach out to me about anything, Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And we could discuss it, not just with that show, but uh, with the way the power grid is, I think that everybody should have a level of preparedness. I always like to have a level of preparedness the best that I can. All right, so even though I was not a Boy Scout, I (laughs) I wanted to be a Boy Scout, but my father... You know, some uh, well, at least one listener knew my knows me personally, and you know, growing up and what have you, and uh, knew my father. <laughs> and uh, God rest his soul, uh, he was uh, very, very. I'm going to say t- cheap is probably the better word. <laughs> That's probably uh, like like most people. I mean, they spend money in one way, but not in the other. I mean, it wasn't like he spent money, but. Uh, when he found out, I'm talking about the Boy Scouts, when he found out what the uniform would cost for me to join the 
<laughs> join the Boy Scouts. He put the kibosh on it. He just, you know, said, no, nah, no, nah, it's too much money. I got how much money they want for dudes. We're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna do that. We're not gonna spend that money on that. So that ended my Boy Scout career before it even started. So that is why I was not a Boy Scout, even though their motto is, I guess, something to the tune of a level of preparedness, or right, or to be ready, or something of that nature. But I remember I was so disappointed. And uh, and uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? I guess that makes you the person that you are, you know, sometimes. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that he was wrong, but I'm not saying he was right either. Is that if you, you know, I found that out, those lessons of my father always putting the putting the brakes on anything that I wanted to do. I'm not saying that if you if you have a child that you give them carte blanche to do whatever they want, but I always made a business even as a little boy. I made a. I'm going to use the lack of term. Lack. Of, I'm going to use this term for for lack of anything better. A business sense. So I said, well, Dad, if I do this, if I do that, if I did, you know, then this could lead to this, or I could do this. It gives me the opportunity to do this. And if it came time to spend, if it came to spending a nickel, he did not want to do it. I mean, even if it was my own money when I was a little bit older. And uh, I mean, I'm saying a little bit older, not a young man, because then obviously I did what I wanted. But, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 years old, you're making some money, you're making a couple of dollars on the side over here doing some odd jobs or doing something. And, uh, and uh, you know, he would put the he would, he would put the kibosh on it. So he would kill it. And I remember my sister and I wanted to buy a stereo. It was a sound design, which was a junky one, stereo. Uh, sound design stereo was, it was uh, AM, FM stereo with an eight track and a built-in record player. Um, so uh, 33 and a third record, I think I played 78. So, so it was all in this compact unit and we had saved our money, my sister and I. So the only thing we ever bought together. And I think it was $119, so maybe it was $89. Yeah, probably, I think it was 119 on self. It, it, it was not a lot of money, all right? Even back then, it wasn't considered a lot of money. That uh, it, it was not the best uh, stereo you could buy by no means. And my sister and I wanted to get this stereo so we could listen to music and get records and get 8-track tapes and what have you. It was 8-track, if I didn't already say that. And... Um, so we pulled our money together, we saved it, and we would watch in the newspaper. Back then, you looked in the newspaper for the stores, and there was a store called Gertz, G-E-R-T-Z. And that's where I had seen it, and I told my sister about it. She's four and a half years old, almost five years older than I am. And then, um, anyway, so the day came that we were going to go get this stereo and bring it home. So we you know, put our money together. I said, and we bought this stereo. And when my father came home and he saw that, he went absolutely ballistic. Oh my God. He wanted us to bring it back. And uh, and and I would say that I was not that way. I don't my sister was probably I don't think that she was that way either. But um, you know, you, I mean, I'm not gonna say you had a temper tantrum because that wasn't his style, but you know, lots of times 
I'd rather have a temper tantrum with somebody because they, they, they scream and they yell and it blows over. But, you know, he just burst out a bubble. I mean, to this day, 50 years later, I still remember it. I mean, just burst out a bubble. I mean, it was like we murdered someone. We bought this stereo. And then, uh, and so uh, for $89. And uh, so whatever. But that's why I never got the Boy Scout uniform and never joined the Boy Scouts. But what we are going to talk about today not that you care about my my non-existent boy scout career is that if you've listened to me in it for any length of time then you know that i have a number of passions in my life and uh agriculture obviously being a, a, a main uh, pa- passion and uh, my biggest passion, obviously, is for animals and for God. But um, I'm a patriot. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm an animal lover. I'm a farmer. I'm, I'm a car guy. Whatever. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And they, they don't jockey for position, as far as my heart is concerned. But they do have their their proper pecking order. But they are really not that far apart from one another. So it's a very close field, but the first one or two of them really leads the field, if that makes any sense. But I am an, as you know, I'm an engine guy, and I'm a, I'm a, I love drag racing. And we were involved, I was involved, and I had my shop with, with building drag, street strip drag cars, and then um, doing cylinder heads and engines and fuel injection calibrations what's nice about having a shop like i had there was a lot of negatives but what was nice about it is that you got to do things and experience things that you would probably never do and that you could never afford to do and if anybody is in any type of business outside of agriculture uh the thing is that or even if you service that you may be a farmer and you have a have a um, you're an agronomist or you're uh, have a uh, a crop product uh, you do custom planting or custom harvesting whatever it may be all right but one of the one of the things that really messes your head up in business is when you can't you cannot afford to do what your customers do and the fact of the matter is that sadly in business you're not going to you're not going to uh, lie to your customers or be devious is the word I'm looking for, but you have to skate around the fact that you can't afford to do what they do. And that happens with a lot of businesses. You could be a home builder, you could be a, uh, uh, a furniture maker, or you could be whatever, anything like that. Uh, you could sell boats or work in a boat or work in a motorcycle shop. And, and, and this guy's coming in buying a, you know, a $100,000 motorcycle. And, and you said, and you, and you can't afford that, right? Then you would never be able to afford it. it. Doesn't make you a bad person. But the thing is that when you have a business, it's, it's not unusual for you to, to not be able to afford to do what your customers do. But you don't have to advertise that you can't afford it. And, uh, and you can't afford it and you don't have to advertise uh, and you, you're not going to lie to them you're just not going to you can't do what they do for whatever reason it is all right so anyway so basically i had gotten involved with a uh, gentleman who's deceased now 
and they had a beautiful Mustang Pro 5.0 car, was, and I've told you about it, and we got it, I got involved with them with racing that, and there was quasi-partners with it. Uh, so the thing is that that was about the, you know, it was something where it was like uh, renting a Ferrari for it. They right. You got a chance to drive it and use it, but they, you know the you know, uh, it wasn't yours. You had to lay out the four hundred thousand for it. So anyway, so I was in with this race car, this Mustang, and uh, it's a pretty yeah, for the time. Sadly, it's thirty years ago. I was a young man, for, and it was a uh, a pretty 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 quick car for its time. It was a a low eight second car at uh, about one hundred sixty miles an hour, a small block Ford. It was a 355 Ford, I told you this before, which was an oddball combination. It was a 4030 bore, 302 bore, but it was a uh, 348 stroke. So if you say to somebody 355, they think it's a punched out 30 over 350 Chevy motor. But anyway, it was it was, it was really a nice piece. I had, uh, it was a good running car, uh, made good power, three stages of nitrous on it, and uh, it's a limiting factor was the placement of the engine because it was an evolutionary car and it went from you know being a street car to a street strip car to a eight second car so when you're building a car like that you're gonna want to have a four link type of suspension not a a, a, th- a three link suspension you're gonna want to also modify the firewall then you're gonna want to put the engine further back so you have more weight transfer and to keep the front lighter so you could wait when you leave the line you could wait so it basically had a stock location engine and a <clears throat> a oak it didn't have an eight second car rear suspension even though it ran eight seconds so based upon <clears throat> the power excuse me the power that engine made it was a c4 four transmission with a trans brake in an eight inch converter the car should have been a seven second car i mean not a low seven second car it should have been like a 780 790 car instead of an 820 car 825 car that every once in a while if the good lord blessed it ran eight teens but it wasn't an 18 the car it was an 820 830 car all right so so i was ex- i was exposed to that and i really enjoyed it and uh what have you but i am a drag racer at heart that is my automotive motorsports uh whatever drug of choice for lack of better words all right and uh, like tractor pulling also because to me it's akin like drag racing almost um i like tractor pulling but i was never a road race guy i was never a roundy round guy a dirt track guy. i could you know could un could could certainly respect and honor what those people accomplish than what they do but i'm really a drag racer at heart so anyway now that that's been established for the 10,000th time i do i don't watch a lot of youtube stuff but there is there's an event that is i don't know when it started maybe a couple of years ago uh, i just found that out probably about last year it's called sick week s-i-c-k week and it's sponsored by a guy, I think his name is Tom Tom Bailey or something out of Michigan. And uh, <clears throat> and there's there's a number of other events that are like that. Uh, I forgot what they're called. But basically, in essence, the, what, what they are qualified as is what they call drag and drive. 
And I'm giving you some context because I'm going to use that, God willing, as a segue into what we're going to talk about today. So the dra- it's called the Dragon Drive. So what happens is they set up they set up a route. You you, you uh, I don't want to say apply. You register for this. I think they limit it to 350 or 400 cars. So it's quite a good showing. And they have different classes. And what happens is you have a starting point and you drive. You have to, the, the vehicle that you're going to race has to be street legal and drive on the road and you and your co-driver are the only person who could touch it uh you have to you, you they most of the cars have a trailer hooked up to them so they could tow their slicks their fuel their toolbox what have you as either a small enclosed trailer or open trailer what have you but the fact of the matter is the car has to drive this event so and that's the point that i'm getting up to is that and depending upon which drag and drive you go to then i'm going to be referencing this sick week it goes on for a week i think it's four or five different tracks and you probably drive between a thousand to thirteen hundred miles depending upon where the event is every year they hold it in a different place so let's say this one started in florida because it's in you know warmer weather this time of year and you start at this track and you gotta drive here and i think this event was just about a thousand miles and uh so you're driving your race car all right a thousand miles in between events and then you go to the track and you and if you're in a class then you have to run the number two cars i'm telling i'm telling explaining this all to you so if you do end up looking it up that you make some sense to is that uh, two cars go down the track at the same time but they're not racing one another so if you're a ford guy you're a chevy guy you're a mopar guy you're a super guy and you see oh they can kick it kick kick its butt well not really because it may be kicked its butt if you look at the time but the fact of the matter is you're racing against yourself so the whole idea <clears throat> is to have the lowest average speed in your class and it's almost like a bracket race there's a class so there's like an 850 class you can't go faster than an 850 so at the end of the event anybody who's made it to all i think it's four or five different drag strips and drove there under their own power you can't get towed you can't do anything you have to have headlights directionals everything right so and and you and you and you get to the last event and who has the lowest average et in their class for that for the, uh during the whole five days the five tracks then you win your class and then there's an overall winner that that comes in and they, those are the, the faster cars the six second cars six second quarter mile cars all right which is absolutely crazy and they're driving these things a thousand miles on the roads all right so uh and each so it's really it's really a lot of fun and one day i would not want to compete in it because i don't have the anything to compete at that particular level even though you, i could compete with my fiesta or in a 20 second class or something but that's kind of moot i would like to just they have the ability that you could uh buy a ticket and you could be part of the event as a spectator and go around and have the pit pass and you and you just hop knob and looking which to me it's like going to bonneville i personally think it's a better spectator event than a participant event because it's a lot of work all right it's a lot of work and uh it's a uh, it's it's not and a lot of work a lot of money and a lot of time to get to that level but anyway so if you choose to look into it <clears throat> just for your own edification 
all right not saying you want to join it probably the best coverage i found is on a, a, a youtube site called 1320 videos and uh 1320 being a quarter mile of length of a drag strip and they feature some other stuff but they do a very good and they do a daily coverage of sick week so they'll do day one day two day three day four day five and if you <clears throat> and if you get a chance <clears throat> excuse me you may want to check that out and look at it but the part that gets me is that these people are driving these on the road right let's say 12 1300 miles they're driving these some of them are six and seven second cars eight second cars and if you're not a drag race that means nothing to you it's like i'm not you know i don't i never played golf in my life so if you give me your golf score or something that could really that could be a wonderful golf score or mean nothing to me all right so the thing is that um so i can say it's all it's all in relation but the fact that the matter is that they're driving these cars they are going under their own power all right they may be towed to the starting point meaning let's say if they're starting in uh ocala florida i don't know where they started in florida this year i mean and the guy lives in montana he may draw tow the car from montana to there but once he gets there it has to go under its own steam and only your crew the person that your your partner on it all right that your uh your co-driver you two, only two could work on the car so you can't say you can't uh at the event and in between if you want to stop someplace to, to work on the car that's fine let me just get drink water so anyway <clears throat> it was going on this week and i watched it but the point that i'm getting into 21 minutes later is that it's a real eye-opener for me and it was specifically a, a huge eye-opener for me now they can have another event which is a side of my opener that's going to be called six summer s-i-c-k summer that's happening out in the midwest and uh they got a coolest logo for that <clears throat> because they got they have uh cornfields in the background they got hot rods cornfields and i don't know whether the person had seen my logo i'm not going to be so so pompous to think that i influenced it by any way shape or form but they have a hot rotted john deere field sprayer in in it's it's really a cool logo and if you go if you listen to the podcast and you go to my website and just lis- listen to it there or just go and click on it you'll see the logo so it's six it's sick s-i-c-k summer because these cars are sick they're crazy sick that they're doing this stuff all right and even if you're not into cars you'd to, to well if you you have to be into it a little bit <clears throat> but it's <clears throat> it's interesting and uh what's nice about the 1320 video coverage is that they get into the humanistic side of it they're not just talking about the cause or showing the cause so they get they talk to the people and at the humanistic side oftentimes in life makes things really really click and gives some gives value to things that are just otherwise would be so basically superficial but anyway what i want to tell you about is this mustang it's a 2012 coyote powered mustang the coyote 5.0 engine mustang obviously the car is extremely modified but the fact of the matter is it runs on a radial tire class so it's a drag radial but it's not a drag slick it's a drag radial they won't go into that if that doesn't mean anything to you but this car has a stock ford block 
and a stock crankshaft in it. And um, obviously the car is gutted, and it's it's a it's it's basically is a drag race street car, and of course it has to be to beat. It has license plates on it and everything. And uh, but this this gentleman and none of these people I'm going to be telling you about do I know, nor do they even know that I exist. So it's like nothing, no skin in the game other than honoring their accomplishments. But the young man who owns it, a relatively young man, younger than me, so that's young, right? Uh, Brett LaSala from Florida, and uh, he calls it the Snot Rocket Mustang. Why it got that name, I have no idea. And he's running a stock, <clears throat> he was running a stock block and crank, uh, and this, 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 uh, Coyote, this uh, 4.6, uh, th- uh, 302 cubic inch Coyote engine, all right? And uh, the thing is making rear wheel horsepower, <clears throat> 2,930 rear wheel horsepower at just about nine to 10,000 <laughs> RPM. And if you know anything about engines to make 3,000, and that's rear wheel horsepower, uh, so if you were to measure it at the crankshaft, they they measured it on a hub dyno, and uh, that's probably I'd have to say close to thirty five hundred crankshaft horsepower. Because there's like anything in life, there's a uh, a frictional loss, there's a there's a parasitic loss of driving the engine, driving the differential, driving the wheels. All right, so so that's and I'm I figured it's about eighteen percent on that. That the uh, he has a the turbo four hundred and a three speed <clears throat> with a uh, I don't remember what converter is in it, but anyway, so I'm figuring eighteen percent. So for all intents and purposes, it's three thousand horsepower at the tire, and it's thirty five hundred thirty. I think it's probably closer to four thousand horsepower at the crankshaft. But anyway, but this thing drives over a thousand miles on the highway during this sick week. All right. Uh, and not only did it accomplish all that, because that would be accomplishment by itself, all right, but he won the whole event this year, and the car ran a 6.26 elapsed time in the quarter mile, and I think with the trap speed, it was around 2.22 or 2.23, maybe it was 2.25, sometimes the mile an hour, the, the highest mile an hour is not your personal best ET because lots of times if you get a, a car like that in a drag race, if you get a little bit of wheel spin, you get more mile an hour but less ET. But anyway, he won the whole event. So here it is that you have a stock Ford block and stock Ford crank. And, you know, kudos to those Ford engineers. All right, because this stock block and stock crank is holding 3,500 horsepower. And the point that I'm leading up to is that, yeah, you could say, well, fine, this is a race, the drag race. This thing is, when they drive these cars, anybody in these drag and drives, if they hit bumper to bumper traffic for two hours, they're in bumper to bumper traffic for two hours. So the thing basically is, is that there's nothing, if they hit a rainstorm, they hit a rainstorm. All right, if it's 100 degrees outside, it's 100 degrees outside. So the thing basically is that there's a Canadian guy who always, he has a 65 GTO, and I'm pretty sure it's got a Pontiac engine, but it's twin turbocharged. 
and he drives it from Red Deer. He doesn't tow it from Red Deer, Alberta. He drives it to the sick week and these dragon drives. So he drove it 3,500 miles down to Florida. And when he left Canada, Red Deer, Alberta was 14 below zero. And he drove this 65 GTO. And this thing runs like 850s, 860s, like a Xerox machine at 150 miles an hour. Boom, boom, boom. Time slips and uh, unbelievable. So the point that I'm getting at and why I'm establishing this for a half hour is that what this reveals to me is that these that engines transmissions have a lot more in them have a lot more capabilities have a lot more potential power now obviously these engines are totally modified but in this pretend what's really impressing me with this brett lasalle's lasalle's coyote powered mustang is that it, it is a stock block and a stock crank so I know that he said after this event he's moving up to a to a to a, a, a different crankshaft because they're starting to crank at about three thousand horsepower at the tire. The crank is starting to flex and and hit the bearings a little bit. But the thing is that so he's going to go to a stiffer crankshaft, get rid of the stock crank. But if you have a if you're putting three thousand horsepower uh at the tire so 3500 horsepower and driving this for a thousand miles under all types of conditions all right then those engineers that built that block and that built that crank is 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 unbelievable but anyway so we're going to table that for now and we're going to move to something else and i'm going to tell you that i see so many parallels in what these people are accomplishing with these dragon drives and then what the farmers are accomplishing during their high yield contests so so since the growing season is over everybody's or there's a there's many different high yield contests for crops so there's a corn contest a wheat contest a soybean contest a sorghum contest there's probably something else but the biggest ones are corn wheat soybeans and sorghum so i did a little got a little data here for you <clears throat> all right so the average corn yield for 2023 <clears throat> excuse me in the united states is 182 bushels per acre so that actually went up from a few years ago as 170 so that means if you were to take the whole collective average all right from from farmers production farmers in the united states all right that the corn average is 182 you may have a guy who obviously has 350 and another guy has 100 or 60 whatever it may be so that's the average that we're going to use that i was able to find all right now the winner now the winner of the corn yield contest this year dave hula who i've met but he wouldn't know me from a hole in the wall i wanted to get him on the on the road podcast but he never got back to me but anyway so uh and he's down in virginia and uh he he's won a number of times and just like this sick week they keep pushing so this is sick farming let's call it sick farming these yield contests all right so all right repeating it average the corn average yield in the united states is 182 bushels per acre and a bushel of corn is 56 pounds for those who are not familiar with it mr hula 
came in at 624 bushels. Now, I, I want to, just like the sick week cars, all right, all right, the, you know, Mr. La Sala with his Mustang and all the other wonderful competitors that I, I'm just, this car just pops out in my mind because it's so remarkable, all right? And uh, there's that, yeah, he's not putting 100, yes, he's driving this car, he's not putting 100,000 miles a year on it, okay? He's not, doesn't have an air conditioning, he doesn't have power windows, doesn't have a radio, all right? But that doesn't take anything away from the accomplishment. And then with these, with this sick, sick crop contest we're called sick crop right these yield contests these farmers have a test plot and this test plot just like uh uh when they built i forgot the name of the shop that built the motor for uh, for for brett lasalle's mustang but uh so these test plots i think usually five acres and they throw everything they can at these test plots. So just like when you're building a race motor, if you're building a Coyote motor that's making 3,500 horsepower and staying together for thousands of miles, all right, you're not just taking parts out of the box. And I mean, there's a lot of skills and finesse and things in there. So yeah, it's a stock block. So obviously that foundation was good, which would be akin to like soil on a farm, all right, and the weather on a farm. So it's got to start with that. But the fact is, man, it's not some 16-year-old kid throwing this together for the with parts that he got on ebay all right so so i'm not saying that these farmers are putting that average across their farm but their test plot which would be just like <clears throat> this the cars that are competing in sick week all right that this is their result so 182 versus 624 so that's what more than three times the amount all right now let's go to wheat and <clears throat> the average wheat yield in the United States is 49 bushels per acre. Well, the winner of the wheat contest came in at 212 bushels per acre. And then when it gets to soybeans, the average soybean yield in the United States is, I've rounded these numbers to the next decimal point. All right, so, because uh, they give it to you in a decimal point so is 50 bushels per acre so if your neighbor is getting 70 bushels per acre 80 bushels per acre uh, 100 he's doing fantastically but not as fantastically as the winner of the yield contest who came in at 207 so the average farmer's got 50 this guy's got 207 and then we come down to sorghum and then i stop there because i'm not going to just go through a litany of different yields for you all right but the so the average sorghum yield in the United States is 52 bushels per acre, all right? And the winner of the sorghum contest happens to be a country neighbor of mine, uh, Mr. Sam Santini. I believe the farm is, that field is registered to his wife, Chris, all right? So it says Chris Santini, and I they're about 25 miles away from me, so that's why I call a country neighbor. And I did an on-the-road podcast with them a year or two ago, probably about two years ago now. And uh, as an aside to that, the Santini family, there's a whole bunch of Santinis that all farm in Warren County, but this particular farm, uh, Sam Santini's grandfather bought it from from thomas edison 
the guy who invented the light bulb. That was his farm, so it's got a lot of history. But Sam, or Chris Santini, came in at 222 bushels per acre when the average sorghum yield in the United States is 52 bushels an acre. So these people are some, some farmers to push this yield like they did, just like the people who were running with the sick week and those engine builders and those cars to be able to accomplish what they're doing. But if you look at these numbers, that these are four, five, six times in some instances what the average yield is. Now, what does this have to do with idle chatter? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. No, it's it's not that. The thing basically is what I'm trying to emphasize uh, to you, my audience, is that, well, first of all, number one, is that if you're going to build an egg 302 cubic inch Ford Coyote motor, we're going to stick with that, and it's going to make 3,500 horsepower or so at the flywheel, it's going to drive 1,000 miles and do nothing wrong, and it's going to set a record at 6.26 seconds in the quarter mile from a standing start, a record for that class of car with a radial tire, that the attention to detail and the amount of effort to put into this is astronomical. It's like a moonshot effort, all right? So you truly have to have, and it's not the effort of one person, it's the effort of a a team of people to get that result, all right? So, uh, so it's 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 a monumental effort. When and the point that I'm I'm going to try to keep making, I'm going to make be making these parallels. Is that when Ford built that block and they built that crankshaft and it came down the assembly line and they built it? Did they know that that crankshaft or that block was going to go into a Mustang that eventually made that that was going to make thirty five hundred horsepower? They did not. All right. So the same thing happens <clears throat> when if you look at these sick farmers, sick crazy yield farmers. You know, when Mr. Hula bought the bag of seed corn, did they say, hey, we're gonna put a little bit of love more love in this bag because it's going to Hula? Or when Sam Santini, Chris Santini uh bought the bag of sorghum seed, whatever brand that makes no difference. Right, that they say, oh, this is the you know this is this is going to go into the yield con. It did not. So what these people are, whether they're farming or building an engine or going into sick week or whatever they're doing, and we, and there's other things in life that you can make the parallels, is there they have the same playing field. They're starting with the same parts, the same weather. Now it's now with with Chris and Sam Santini's farm is like it's about twenty five miles away from me. All right, uh, they dairy farmed for many years. I don't know what his soil uh, values look like. Whether you know what his CEC, what his organic matter is, I guarantee you it's better than mine. All right, uh, simply because they dairied for many years prior to this, and that really makes a difference. But anyway, regardless, I mean, I had a v- extremely dry, dry beginning of a growing season it took 22 days or 23 days for my first sweet corn planting to emerge now the santini family is about 25 miles south of me could they could they have um you know caught some showers and some weather that i did not catch well most definitely all right 
but they didn't have a monumental amount of rain early on, just like I didn't, all right? Maybe they had a little bit more, maybe they were whatever, maybe they had soil, because of the organic matter held a little bit more moisture or what have you. But the fact of the matter is, their microclimate was not that much different than mine. And yet, not only did they, they, they're a national record holder this year with the sorghum, which I know he's been before, but he's also a corn record holder, not the national record, a New Jersey corn record holder, because they have all different classes in these contests. So Mr. Hula with the 624 bushels is the national record holder, and Sam Santini is the the New Jersey record holder for this year for 2023 contest. But the point that I'm getting at is that they went, they this, they got the same seed that anybody else did. Mr. La Sala, when he bought that Mustang engine, all right, 2012, it was the same engine that went down the assembly line that some guy went, got, or, or the next block and said it was a piece of crap because it blew up in 3,000 3, miles. So what am I using this as a segue for to get to is that I am challenging you because that's what this show is all about. It's challenging you, all right? I can't make you do anything. And I'm not saying that everybody is going to go out there and build a 3,500-horsepower Ford Coyote that doesn't blow up or it's going to be a Sam Santini or a Dave Hula or what have you. It all has to be within reason, all right? But the fact of the matter is that everything that we, with rare exception, all right, most things that we do in our life and for our businesses could could be done better, all right? Could be done better. Now, the thing is that <clears throat> these people... We'll use, we'll pick on Sam Santini and we'll pick on uh, Brett Lasala, all right? Uh, the thing is that <clears throat> when they look back at, at when, when, you know, when the combine runs through Sam's field and he sees 222 bushels per acre, sorghum, when the national average is 52, a man, yeah, he's patting himself on the back. I'm like, he's a humble guy, but, but the thing is that, you know, but I'm sure, excuse me, if he said that he said to himself, if you would, if you if you would look into his his soul, it's a two twenty two, and everybody, oh, it's fantastic, Sam. That he probably wanted two twenty three, or two thirty three, or two forty three. That he wasn't happy with two twenty two. All right, and then <clears throat> if you go to if you go to to, to talk to Mister La Sala, not that we are right. And he probably you know hey, the car went six twenty six. Everybody's clapping and applauding. The thing with you know actually it made two thousand nine hundred thirty horsepower at the tire. All right, and if you watch his video, he says oh, we really want the three thousand. So the thing is that do you have to go run your business, run your life, run your education, run your skill sets? run your farm to the in to the level that these people are doing both their crop yield contests and these people in a drag and drive no but as i was saying and i'm guilty of it also we're all guilty of it we can do a lot of things better if we choose to do it better now as an aside to that not these are 
in both instances, the drag and drive and the crop yield contest, that these are a collective event. It's not we can go out there and spend five minutes, that these people made a lot of sacrifices in their life, time-wise, financially, what have you, all right, uh, to, 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 to achieve these accomplishments. They just didn't go by, you know, go to a quick pick lottery ticket and then you have the machine pick the tickets and win $100 million. That's not the case. So they made a lot of sacrifices. And if you, if you look at <clears throat> that any of the 1320 videos, that's the, the web, the uh, YouTube channel for the Dragon Drive, there's one thing that you, that you could very easily glean that these people are extremely passionate and dedicated to that. Now, this is the world, according to me, the hot rod farmer. I mean, that is wonderful, all right? And it, it's wonderful that they accomplished this. Fantastic. I mean, fantastic. No deny, I can't accomplish it, all right? But what price did they pay to accomplish that? So, you know, how many, you know, using the drag and drive people, how much money did they put into these cars, these engines? A ton of it, right? I don't know what the, depending upon the car. How many hours did they spend away from their family? How many things did they give up because of that? And so when I personally, the world according to me, is that though I want to do things much better than I am in every aspect of my life, I want to be a better podcast, I want to be a better husband, I want to be take better care of my animals, I want to be a better farmer, I want to be a better writer, I want to do all these things better. But there is an inflection point in everything in life, just like the valve lifter rides over the nose of the cam, and right then there, it's in the inflection point when it's changing direction. At what particular level do you say enough is enough? Do you want to invest enough to get 600 bushels per acre of corn across your whole field, 625 bushels, or is that not practical? So... The thing is that you may say, well, hey, Hot Rod, you're contradicting yourself. I'm not contradicting, well, that may sound argumentative, my tone of voice. I'm not contradicting myself. What I want to do is I want to prompt you to do better on your farm, to do better on your ranch, and to do better in anything you do in life, all right? And I want you because, and I want you to also do much better with your equipment so now if that block using this mustang this snot rocket block if that ford block was didn't have any special and i'm not saying that they didn't maybe cryogenic process whatever i'm gonna say but still it's a stock block and a stock crank at that horsepower level all right and your neighbor blew up his at 3,000 miles and tells you Ford sucks or Chevy stinks or this, right? right. The thing basically is, is that, and I'm not saying things don't break, all right? But the fact of the matter is, is that we have to look, and I've said this many, 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 many times, oh, Ginger's ripping the back of my chair, many, many times that we have to look at things introspectively. We have to say, hey, are we doing this the best to our ability? Are we doing the best the best that we can? Not saying the best in the world, best we can, or are we leaving things on the table because 
we don't want to do it and what i'm saying to you is that yes lots of times in life you have to leave things on the table because you don't want to be consumed by it all right and these people were definitely consumed by that drag and drive for getting ready for it and what have you now maybe they went back home and they forgot all about it and they went on with their life i have no idea i'm not going to be judgmental but the thing is that are you doing enough with your equipment in your farm shop are you doing enough as far as your maintenance is concerned are you doing enough as far as your education is concerned you know the things that these people that either these high yield farmers or these people building these sick wheat cars or any other type of race car we use that for an example i keep going back to it because the accomplishment of a driving a thousand miles on the street in in real world conditions that's where the glory is all right and not just making the power but making it live the thing is that are are you doing what you can be doing or are you getting lazy and what i wanted to say is that these people do not have a upper hand on physics they don't have these farmers don't have an upper hand on where the good lord is going to bring the rain or bring whatever but they're paying attention to detail and so many times in life and in education and because this podcast is educational all right maybe it doesn't sound like it today but my whole mission is to educate people is that people choose not to apply what they learned mr la sala mr santini all right mr you know, mr hula these high the other gentlemen i don't remember their names for the high yield all right <clears throat> is that they looked at what is going on they educated themselves and they applied what they learned and what i'm saying to you is that if you would take a part of your life in whatever walk of life you have and you make up the mind your mind and say i am going to do it better i'm gonna i'm you know i'm gonna get a better yield out of my crop i'm going to take better care of my animals i'm going to take better care of my equipment i'm going to be able to go more hours on my equipment without a rebuild i'm going to be able to go more acres on my planter without it busting i'm going to make go more acres on my planter and have uniform seed placement not that the first hundred acres of seed and then after that it skews so whatever it may be i mean there's a zillion different things that you could do in your life all right and say am i going to do better and am i going to pursue education to do better and am i going to because you know to me education and i think it's so apparent today because there's very little practical application of it you have probably more people walking around now with college degrees and phds and all this other stuff or you know a master's plus so many so many credits and what have you and back during the 40s and 30s 40s 50s and 60s a guy who got a high school education had more practical application of what he learned all right than these people all right than the majority of people today i'm not saying there's not smart people in the world but oftentimes people get a level of education 
just to pass some sort of test to do oh, okay i got a phd they gotta know his rear end from a hole in the walls my father would say all right or i got this i'm an agronomist i mean i had i mean i had a, a guy from nrcs national or ncrs i always get this reverse with the corvette thing come to the farm about 15 years ago and look at my soil this guy was a phd all right i don't think they he was a soil scientist. God bless him. All right, all right. Need to. I don't. I don't think this guy ever planted a tomato seed in a pot in his life, because he's telling me about this. Yeah, he knew what kind of soil and this and what it was. He could read the charts and what have you, but the practical application of it, he never applied what he spent probably hundreds of thousands of dollars of education to learn and if he did do anything like that he did it with somebody else's nickel all right because when you learn with your own money that's the best teacher buddy i don't care what walk of life it is when you learn with your own money it's the best teacher and whatever he did learn when when he 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 studied and to pass the test to get his phd and i don't know i don't remember the guy's name but i was so the thing is that so many times in life i've seen this that people do not apply <clears throat> what they learned or apply what the potential of what they can learn all right or what they experience and they don't go into their field with open eyes and say well this happened that happened you know and i always use the term which is an engineering term i repeat it again almost every week inventing a science all right that they don't that they just want to do good enough they just want to do mediocre and it's really great to sit back and look and look and say well this guy's making 3500 horsepower i can't make 3500 horsepower I don't want to make 3,500 horsepower for the simple reason being is I'm not willing to make the sacrifices to make 3,500 horsepower using that as an analogy, all right? All right, the thing basically is, but do I want to make 1,000 horsepower? Yeah, that's within my realm of the sacrifice that I'm willing to make. But what i really think is i probably get ready to close here almost coming on an hour and i don't know if you can make any sense of this is that there's a lot of resources out there to learn and it's and sadly and i mean that sincerely sadly this rate this podcast and this radio show are the only resources out there currently to learn about your machinery and learn how things function all right there's agronomy resources out there there's plant physiology resources they're not on every street corner but this is the only one that i know of all right the thing is that i say so that's that's sad because i would rather have more resources out there because then you could learn something that i didn't talk about that somebody else and you use it just like tools in the toolbox that education becomes tools in the toolbox all right you don't just have one screwdriver and one adjustable wrench and call yourself a mechanic so there needs to be other resources for you to learn but you need to apply what you're learning and you oftentimes you need to modify what you have learned to have it work for you in your application all right so for instance i'm going to a seminar this week all right and it's uh 
put on by um, the PTI test farm. It's over in Pennsylvania, but it's the the PTI farm is the place they went to in in um, Pontiac, Illinois, in the summertime. So they're going to be talking about the results. I'm going to this class. Okay, fine. Do they raise sweet corn at the PTI pest farm? No. Do they know anything about sweet corn? Well, they know how to eat it. All right. And there's some there's some commonality between raising field corn and raising sweet corn, but there's not a lot of commonality. So I am going to go to this class, all right, and I'm going to make an investment, and I'm going to come from that class, and I'm not tooting my own horn, and I'm going to say, okay, this doesn't apply, that doesn't apply, but this applies, and I need to take this concept back to my farm to try to make my farm better. And in my particular instance, what better is, because I'm a sweet corn grower, all right, the fact of the matter is more marketable ears, because I'm not running it through a combine, more marketable ears, an increase in, in flavor, all right, and an increase in nutrient nutrient content. So those are my three things. So if I can make an even better tasting year of sweet corn or more nutritious year of sweet corn and have more marketable ears, all right, so just like you could have this, whatever, Mr. XYZ, he won a yield contest for soybeans, and yeah, he's got the crown there, baby, but maybe the rest of his farm is a dog. He gets 12 bushels per acre. I have no idea. Maybe he's making love to this just this test field, this test this competition plot and ignoring everything else and i see that i mean yeah i watch like i said i watch these drag race stuff i mean i watch it all the time but i i'll watch it you know a couple once or twice a week if there's something interesting all right i'm not gonna sit, sit in front of the computer and watch stuff day and night all right if you do that god bless you to me i'm not doing that but anyway and the guy's going to the track he's telling you how wonderful his car is and this and this and that and he's driving his tow vehicle all right there's this one channel i won't remain unnamed all right and they got the camera and everybody records everything there they may make they, they call it content to me i i'm not interested in it but whatever god bless him the thing is that he's driving every telltale that could be on on the dashboard of his truck is on and he's telling you what a great engine builder he is what a great you know what a great drag racer he is and he's got the check engine light on this light on the airbag light on no oil pressure light all right you know something else abs light on so every so so basically and and i understand people choose their poison in life but you know if you have a mindset this is the world according to me again if you have a mindset of wanting to be a mechanical person and put so much love into your drag race car then it would irk you to no end that your tow vehicle, and this guy thinks nothing of it whatsoever. He's got the Ute, whatever, the GoPro camera there, and you're right, and you're seeing, I'm saying, the freaking check, I'm pardon my language, check engine light is on, the ABS, every every telltale that there was this GMC truck that General Motors had was on on that vehicle, and he's happy as a lock. All right, well, I guess it takes, <clears throat> you know, all different types of people to make the world go round. But I don't want my sincere desire for you, my audience, is to be the best you can within reason, all right? And we all, all, all can do things better, all right? And just like who's meowing here, we could all do things better. And the 
the the the fundamentals of doing things better start with education and end with applying that education so to my way of thinking it's a two-step process it's education and learning and that learning could be by doing and it's a, it's a combination it's like your toolbox like i said you don't have just one wrench in there so it's a combination of reading and going to seminars uh, uh, discovering learning how to use an uh, oscilloscope or, or education learning and then say okay what did we learn from this uh what did we learn and i'm going to close with this i have a listener and he uh i mentioned him a couple of times already in the past few shows because it's apropos i'm mike werner uh i did an on the road podcast with him sadly the gentleman lost his eyesight through a medical issue a while back but his son they have a farm and they were having a uh electrical problem with a john deere tractor and uh didn't want to crank and what have you know and i did the best i could to help him over the telephone from 2000 miles away but anyway make a long story short thank god they got it fixed they they they, they got it fixed they re whatever that's a podcast unto itself but the thing basically is is that that mike uh wrote wrote a note to me and then what he wrote a note to me about what 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 they did and what the problem was but then most importantly all right the idea that the tractor now starts and fantastic wonderful beautiful that's the pragmatic of it they need the tractor to feed the cows okay that's the pragmatic but but mike werner and his son i think it was luke he has two sons forgive me if i was wrong <clears throat> is that mike wrote their takeaways what they learned from this experience so what mike is going to do is yes he learned from that experience it wasn't a good good it wasn't fun all right it wasn't all that but he made a list of five or six things that changed his thought process so now he can apply those things to their farm moving forward as far as the equipment is concerned all right and that's really what i'm trying to convey to you don't throw your oh you know whatever or the thing blew up or the thing worked or my crop was great or the thing went 300 whatever the thing is that you need to have education and you need to most importantly apply that education that would be that would be like a like an accountant the guy's got an accounting degree and he can't fill, fill out his own taxes he has to go to h and r block and so many times that is so i'm going to end this show now because ginger is meowing and you've already put up with me for an hour i don't know if this made any sense to you but if you look at sick week with those cars look at mr la Salle's mustang all right there's going to be in case you're interested there's going to be a sick summer i think it's in june it's out in the midwest so you may want to look into that and check that out or at least watch the videos all right you look at these high yield farmers and they didn't get anything special their seed wasn't special <clears throat> the engine block that mr lasala got wasn't special it's what they did with it what they applied and the only way they were able to apply what they did to have these successes either in the field all right as a farmer or as an engine builder or as a drag racer or anything in life all right what they applied was gleaned through education 
So without education and without knowledge and wanting to learn, you're never going to move the needle. So I'm asking you, okay, Ginger, I'm asking you to be as best as you could be. I'm not asking you to never see your kids, never see your wife, never pet your dog because you're so, no, but we could all do things better. And I'm going to start by doing things better by ending this show right now and giving you a break. And thank you for listening and let Ginger out because she is anxious to go out and i want to thank you so much and you have a blessed blessed day and may god bless america and never forget to be as kind as possible to all of god's creation to all animals catch you next week thanks for listening bye bye